Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gary and Louise, for uh, inviting me uh, to wrap up the series of the Holmes course. And this really is a place that I'm incredibly passionate about, about seeing people come into the fullness of who they were created to be is something that, that kind of makes me come alive every day. And I wanted to start off by reading the scripture from Psalm 18, verses um, 23 to 25. It says, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. All the pieces. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. Now I am alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted. Every day I review the way he works. I don't miss a trick. I feel put back together, and I'm watching my step, because God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. So I want to ask you a question. How many of you very often feel the complete opposite of put back together? We feel like we haven't got it all together. It feels like there are some parts that are good, these are the parts that we often present to others. We put our Sunday best on these parts, and we operate from these parts. But sometimes it feels like there are other parts of us that are falling apart, that get triggered, that we're ashamed of, that, um, that make us feel weak and insecure and underdeveloped. And in a sense, it's the parts of us that, that react when in traffic. It's the part of us that are impatient with our kids. It's the parts of us that are competitive and sometimes callous in the workspace. And like I said, it's, it's these parts that we often bring to counseling, but we disguise in church. And so today I'm wanting to speak into this space because one of the things I'm most passionate about is bringing the spiritual and the psychological together. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless before our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And when we look at that word soul, the original Greek for the word soul is psyche. It's where the word, it's where the word psychology comes from. The way I think, feel, and behave. And the reality is when it comes to our identity, knowing who I am in Christ, I need to bring the whole aspect of myself. And one of the things I, I'm very aware of as a pastoral counselor is that many of us live quite fragmented lives. There, there are parts of us that know who they are in Christ, and then there are parts of us that stay hidden and in secret. And it's how do we bring all of these parts back together. And so I want to take you on a journey of knowing what it means to be whole and walking a journey of wholeness. And so I want to start off by just speaking this first truth, that the beginning of our story starts with design. Psalm 139 verse 13 says, you made, and you being God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Are there any knitters in the house? <laughs> and you knit me together 
It's a beautiful picture of intentionality, of purpose, of plan, of a calculated desire. You don't just knit for the sake of, there, there, is, there is an intention to what I am doing. There was an intentionality to your life. Yet so many of us, our stories or the knowledge of our story started in, I was a mistake. Or I was unwanted. Or I don't belong. Or I don't have a purpose. Because our, we believe that our stories start in the dysfunction and the brokenness of the world, not in the heart of the Father. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, God is saying, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you. That there is an intentionality, that there is a design. And it's so important from a foundational perspective to know that our stories start in the heart of God. That the foundation to who I am starts in His plan and purpose. That He knit me together. It's a truth that we need to hold on to because we live in a world with a tension. And if we don't know the truth, then we're going to struggle to manage the tension. The next point I want to speak around is that our development is distorted. And here comes the tension because if I don't know the truth of my start, then I don't know how to resolve the tension of my development. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And the reality is we're all born into this broken, fallen, fickle, fragile, fallible world. There's a saying that says, hurt people hurt people. And the degree to which your primary caregivers are broken it's very often the degree to which how they invest in your life becomes distorted. And we are all on the same line. You'll, you'll get to know that I like to use kind of pictures to describe what I'm saying. You know, sometimes we want to measure where I'm at compared to where someone else is at. And where they're at is very different to me, and so therefore I'm better off than them. But the line where anger starts and murder ends is the same line. The line where lust starts and adultery ends is the same line. And it's important to understand that space. And so one of the things I see in, in, in the counseling room is that, do you remember those old stereos that had graphic equalizers on them? Those little columns that would bounce up and down according to the bass and treble? Remember those? Okay. Inside of us is an invisible graphic equalizer. And when we're born, it's all set on kind of naught. And the role of the primary caregiver in our lives is to invest into the different columns so that we would grow up whole and healthy and um, functional adults contributing effectively into society, yes? Okay, but the problem is, is that not always are those columns invested into well. For example, if, if I was taught to count but never to add, I can be a 40-year-old who knows how to count but I can't add. And so my, my maths ability would be that of a five-year-old and not a 45-year-old. Does that make sense? And so inside of us is all of these parts. And the reality is for many of us, some of our parts stay underdeveloped because they weren't well invested in. If there was no a father affirming who you are, then there's going to be a part of you that has a distorted view on your identity. Do you like my little kind of dudes? <laughs> 
there are also parts of us that get hurt along the way. Maybe there's, there's abuse, or maybe there's neglect, or maybe there's a sense of just somebody just saying, hey, you know what? You're never going to make it in life. And those parts get injured. Or there are parts of us that we are ashamed of, things that we've maybe done that we are incredibly ashamed of, or things that maybe were done to us that has resulted in this feeling a huge sense of shame. And so for many of us, we may be living stunted, we may be living with a limp, or we may be living crushed. And it's these parts that I want you to kind of consider. For me, I struggled at school for many years. I didn't realize it then, but I had dyslexia, and I always just thought I was stupid, that I couldn't read properly. And so my self-confidence around my ability to contribute, my ability to speak was underdeveloped. I was so insecure, I used to stutter as a teenager. I hated introducing myself. I'd get stuck on the M's. I had to go to elocution lessons that felt more like execution lessons. There was this huge insecurity, and added to that, I was in the G class, and G didn't stand for good. <laughs> Remember at school, was the A, B, C, and if your school wasn't big enough, they just bypassed the E and the F, and they just stuck you into the G. <laughs> and it, it kind of fed this blah that I'm nothing, that I'm stupid, that, I've got, I, that, that my voice is meaningless, that it, it's better for me to remain silent. I had a distorted view of who I was. And so what ends up happening is that our identity becomes divided. It splits. The word devil comes from the Greek word diabolos, which means to divide, to separate, to more literally to, to, to kind of throw against. Mark 3 verse 25 says, if, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And so when there is a division within yourself, it kind of weakens your ability to stand firm in the confidence of knowing who you are. And what happens when I'm insecure about parts is that what, what is known from a psychological perspective, we kind of start engaging in self-protective strategies, self-protective behavior strategies, ways that I can kind of cover up these parts of myself that I'm incredibly ashamed of. We see this right in the beginning. When Adam and Eve ate the fruit, it says that they immediately felt shame, and shame is an identity-crippling emotion, and they ran, they hid, and they covered up. And when they confronted, they blamed. Nobody teaches you these strategies. It's kind of like this, this instinct, isn't it? I mean, the minute your kid's doing something wrong, it's like, no, he did it. No, it was their fault. I didn't do nothing, like chocolate cake everywhere. <laughs> it's like, I know you shouldn't eat the cake, no. <laughs> um, and so we run, we hide, and we cover up. You see, fear causes us to resort to some level of a defense, which results in a behavioral separation. See, it wasn't God who left their presence. It was them who left God's presence. And it was into that space that God asked the first question, where are you? See, God is more interested in where you are than what you've done because he's a God of reconciliation. And so what, 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 what ends up driving us is this fear that if somebody sees the real whole me, that I'm going to get rejected. And so there are parts of us that stay underdeveloped because we actually fear failure. 
We fear our inadequacies, and so it results in either a need to overperform. I'll show you these muscles so you don't see those ones. Or there are parts of us that stay hurt because I'd rather nurse and try and heal my own wounds than allow myself to trust anybody else. And so we keep parts of ourselves hidden because we fear feeling pain again. We fear being hurt again. And there are parts of us that we become ashamed of and we actually deny their existence because we fear further rejection and further shame and further judgment. And as we grow up with this, this fear that I'm inadequate, this fear that I'm going to be hurt, this fear that I'm going to be judged and further shamed, it cripples us and holds us back from living into the fullness of who we were designed and destined to be. One of the things I'm so aware of when it comes to the enemy is his primary strategy, if he can't prevent you from becoming a Christ follower, is to make you an ineffective one. Oh, the flowers are bothering me here. <laughs> he wants to try and keep you ineffective in becoming the fullness of who you do. And one of the schemes is he wants you to believe that what you do is who you are. You see, he wants to draw your attention to the weakest, broken, wounded, shameful parts of yourself and get you to believe that that part of you that is broken and ashamed and wounded and distorted and underdeveloped is who you are. And this again is why so many of us struggle from an identity perspective because we're operating from the sum total of our broken parts. That I am inadequate. That I am unloved. That I am rejected. He wants you to believe that what you do is who you are. Or what others do is who you are. That my broken behavior informs my identity. Or the broken behavior of others informs my identity. And I know for me there were many years that I believed I was inadequate. I really struggled with this mindset that I'm, that I'm honestly stupid. I couldn't get into varsity because I didn't have the points. So I became a hairdresser, just got a trade. But hairdressers are undercover counselors. I just didn't realize it back then. And that's the beauty of God. He uses all things and he pulls it all together. I only got into varsity in my mid-twenties because of my age. I was a mature student. <laughs> but I went to the most academic college in Europe to learn my theology, but I read my dictionary more than my Bible because I had no idea what these professors were talking about half the time. And the whisper of the enemy was, you shouldn't be here because you're stupid. You're a G-class kid. And it silenced my voice for so many years. And there was this tension because... The first time I sat in college and I, and I was listening to the theology around wholeness, I was like going, man, why are they not teaching this in church? And I honestly believed in that first year that God put a calling in my heart to say, this is what you're going to be speaking into. And, and it, was, it was an excitement, but then this fear just wanted to extinguish it in the sense of, but who are you to speak? Because sometimes your insecurity gets the better of you where you start to stutter and 
And I sometimes even get verbal dyslexia. I switch my words around. It gets quite fun, you know. But back then, I was petrified of people seeing the real truth about the fact that I'm completely inadequate for this job. And many years even into ministry, there was this constant fear that somebody in the audience was going to go, this girl doesn't know what she's talking about, and was going to prove me wrong and, and shame me and silence me. And it kept me back, it held me back and robbed me for so many. And I know that there are many of you in this room maybe that believe you're inadequate. That God can't use you. That there's things that you're ashamed of, that you're covering up and hiding, and that you're living in silence about. And in a sense, you're living a fragmented life. And there is this, there is this kind of this discontent, this tension, this sense of something's not right. Like, I feel like there's a part of me over here, but there's a part of me that's completely hidden and out of sight from God. And it results in survival living. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 6 says this, Cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans, who thinks he can make it on muscle alone, and sets God aside as a dead weight. He is like a tumbling weed in the prairie, out of touch with the good earth. He is rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. You see, when we depend on our own strength, even our own defense mechanisms, we, we, we in a sense, are dependent on ourselves. We try and fix ourselves, but we, we actually end up keeping ourselves in a place of destructiveness where nothing grows. And it robs us. It robs us from the fullness of who we're meant to be. And so I see this in the counseling room. We end up overcompensating our broken parts, our underdeveloped parts. And so you know what? I will just do everything I can to invest in these, these kind of muscles at the top so that you don't ever get to see the weakness of my below. And so then I become performance-driven. You know, check out these... These pecs. I want you to see this part of me because I'm so fearful that you're going to see the actual broken part of me. Or we pretend. We put on what I call our fine faces, our fine masks. Fine stands for feeling insecure, neurotic, and emotional. And how many of you have walked into church and someone has said, hey, how are you doing? And you're like, I'm fine. How are you? And then we get back in the car and the tears just come. And nobody knows. Because we daren't bring our fine faces into this space. We're constantly be comparing our behind the scenes with everybody else's perfect Facebook profile pic. And we go, we know the truth about who we are. And everyone else has got it together. That's one of the most common themes I hear in the counseling room. That I am the only one that thinks like this, that feels like this, that has shame like this, because everybody else looks good. Or what we do is we just pull away. We stay hidden. And our lives are robbed. I learn to live behind my fine face. I avoid opportunities. I silence myself because I am petrified of making a fool. Because if people see the real me, then they're going to reject me. And it robs so many from living in the fullness of who we were created to be. So how do we break 
out of these cycles? How do we step back into what God has predestined and designed and created me to be? What does it mean to be whole and live in wholeness? Hebrews 10 verse 14 said, For by that one offering he forever made perfect. Tell the person sitting next to you, you were made perfect. And there's a part of you in your mind are going, yeah, but this part, <laughs> this part isn't made perfect. No, you are made perfect and you are being made holy. That means you are a child of God who's becoming like Christ. It's positional and it's progressive. This is who I am. I am whole, but on a journey of wholeness. I am a saint on the journey of being sanctified. Not, I'm on the journey of wholeness so that I can become whole. That's behavior to identity. That's what cripples you. It's identity to behavior, not the other way around. If you want to know who you are in Christ, then you need to start to understand the promises, and you need to know the hands that knit you together. Because your starting point is not brokenness. That's why I said your starting point is design. And the problem is, there are too many of us believers who have turned one 20 times. There, there are parts of us that are still little. There are parts of us that haven't grown up. That's the part of us that will give a thousand rand response to a 10 rand trigger. You want to know if there are parts of you that are still broken and immature and little? Well, there are the parts of you that when triggered throw a temper tantrum. Any temper tantrum throwers in the house? Thank you for not leaving me alone up here. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. I'll just declare. <laughs> you see, you are only as mature as your most immature part. You are only as strong as your most weakest part. You will only run as fast as your limp allows you to. You will only live as free as your most shameful thought gives you permission to. You see, there are parts of us that we need to bring out from hiding, that we need to uncover, that we need to bring before God so that we can allow His healing and fullness to come in. We need to bring all of our pieces before God in order for us for grow, to grow into the fullness of who we were created and knit together to be. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. How many of you have, have tried to have a rational reasoning conversation with a child? <laughs> You'll lose every time. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. But yet there are so many of us that are still living with little children inside of us. Parts of us that are still broken, parts of us that need healing, parts of us that we're incredibly ashamed of, that have insecurities and fears. We need to bring all of these parts back under the covering of Christ. Jeremiah 17 verse 7 said, but blessed, this is the second part of the scripture in Jeremiah, but blessed is the man who trusts me. God, the woman who sticks with God, they are like trees planted in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers, never roaring about the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf. 
serene and calm through droughts, bearing fresh fruit every season. How many of you bore fresh fruit in the season of 2020? You see, when our roots to our identity go deep into the truth of who we are in Christ, it doesn't matter what season you're in, you'll still stay strong and bear fruit. Because your fruit is not dependent on the weather, your fruit is dependent on what your roots go into. But if there are parts of you where the roots are not in Christ, and they're in shame, and they're, they're broken, and they're underdeveloped, then there's going to be no fruit in that space. You see, the heart is hopefully dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart. I examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the roots of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. You see, we can't put our fine faces on in front of God. He can see right through it. He sees past our Sunday best. Nothing is hidden from him. And when we live in the fullness of a liberated, surrendered life before him, we find complete freedom. When my identity is based on my ability to perform and speak, and I speak wrong, or I stutter, then I fall. I am a confidently bad speller. It is so liberating. My identity is not in my ability to have good grammar or to speak eloquently with big words. My confidence is who I am in Christ. And so when I fall, the enemy can't go, oh, you're a really bad grammar speller, speaker, whatever it is. I'm going to go, duh, I already know. But that doesn't define me. There's no way but up when you claim your brokenness in Christ, because my brokenness tells me I need a savior. When I hide my brokenness, it tells me that I need a defense mechanism, not a savior. See, when we bring the parts of us that we are ashamed of, that we live in fear by before Christ, we find complete freedom. I found the scripture this morning when I was getting ready, it's Ephesians 3, verse 19. Sorry, 14 to 19. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart. As you trust in him, your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand Understanding happenings in the mind. As all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Sorry, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete, whole, with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. I want to come back to Psalm 18. It says, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. When I got my act together, he gave me a fresh start. Now I'm alert to God's ways. I don't take God for granted because every day I review the ways he works. I try not miss a trick. I feel put back together and I'm watching my step. 
Because God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart before his eyes. What is the story you are telling yourself about who you are? Parts of you, the story so often we're telling ourselves is that I'm not good enough, that God can't use me. And it is so crucial for us to bring all the parts of ourselves back before him so that he can rewrite the story of our lives, that when we open the book of our hearts before him, an incredible thing happens. You see, the reason why it is so significant that we bring all the parts of our lives, of our stories before him, is because I am part of a whole. I need to come into a place of wholeness because my part is part of a whole. Ephesians 4 verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part, whole part, does its own special work. It helps others' parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We are all part of the body of Christ. We need to bring our part before the Father to bring it into the fullness of who our part was meant to be. Because if we're not doing that, if the part we are is still broken, then I'm going to live a life that is compromising, that is comparing, that is competing. And there is this unity in the body because we're not living in the fullness of the part that I'm meant to be. Are you content and secure in your part? And we live in a world that wants to compare parts. And we often complement the part of our body like our hair. But we don't complement the intestines. It's the unseen part, but it's the most important part. I can live without my hair. I can't live without my, my intestines. Stop comparing your part to somebody else's part. Push into knowing the part that God has knit you together to be. And then live in the fullness of that part. Because when you do, you bring His body glory. The body that comes together can live and operate in the fullness of who we're meant to be. You see, we exist not because of our part. We exist for the good of the whole, so that people see Christ. That when people walk in here, they don't see parts, they see Christ. They don't see the kind of, they don't see the brokenness, because we all are, but that when we bring our parts together, they see the full, and Christ is glorified. So as the band comes up, I want you to just close your eyes before God, and I want you to silence your spirit, and your thoughts. And I want you to ask God what He wants you to do with what you've just heard. I want you to ask God what part of me is still hidden from your eyes? Am I still trying to hide from you that you want me to bring before you today and put onto the altar so that you, Lord, can bring a full healing We're just going to be still for a minute before him so that he can speak.
into those spaces of our lives. And so, Father, as we allow ourselves to come into a space of worship, of just waiting on you, I pray that, that your word, that your truth will cut down deep between every ligament and cell of our bodies, that you will bring new healing, new revelation, new truth, new freedom, into the hidden spaces. I thank you, Lord, that you are not only a healer, but you are a great surgeon. That you will, that you will do a new work in, in people's lives. I pray that we would have courage to allow you to knit us back together into the fullness and the design that you created us to be. Father, have your way. Amen.